And Susan Price. And today's episode is Overcoming the Odds. And we have a guest here with us today named Rachel Camarado. And she is a speaker. She's the founder of Axios. And she is also director of First Priority. And I actually know of Rachel because she was my daughter's high school teacher last year, as well as her volleyball coach. And she just had such a huge impact on her life. So I know firsthand that Rachel's doing great things for the kingdom of God and that she's definitely shining the light of Jesus everywhere that she goes. So we are just so grateful to have her here with us today. And we're going to let her tell a little bit about herself and um, her story. Yeah. So, hey, guys. Um <laughs> Yeah, so um, Axios kind of happened on accident, started in college, and so that is a movement to um, target women and their worth and just show them that their worth was defined at the cross and that nothing can be added or taken away from it. And that was just kind of a total God moment that that happened. And um, First Priority is a nonprofit organization that goes into the clubs, goes builds clubs into the schools and sends students there as missionaries. So um, all we do is train up students. We send them with a Bible and everything that they need to go into the school and share the gospel because we feel like a student needs to reach a student um, with the gospel message. So that's kind of where I am right now with those two ministries. Crazy. So what ax- Axios, before we got started, Susan said Axios. <laughs> I said, how do you say it? I'm make sure I say it right. I say Axios. We said that's from the country, Axios. And we just throw axes. <laughs> How did Axios, how did you come up with that name? Like, what does that mean? Like, all that kind of stuff. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I was in college. Um, I had been dating a guy for about two years, and great guy. Um, We ended up ending our relationship, and I was really confronted with who am I outside of a relationship? What am I worth? Um, What is my value? Where does it come from? Um, I'd heard all the things, you're beautiful, and you're chosen, and you're worthy, Uh, But when it was after that breakup, it was me and the Lord, and I was doing some digging. And I was like, do I believe that? Do I live like that? Mm -hmm. And if somebody doesn't accept me or love me, um, am I still worthy? Mm -hmm. And so I got on my face with the Bible like I do when any idea comes to me. And um, he was leading me to that scripture in Matthew that talks about how he takes care of the sparrows in the field. And he said very specifically, I clothe them and I feed them Mm -hmm. and I care for them. And how much more valuable are you to me? Mm. And so the word actually there was how much more worthy are you to me? And I was like, okay, that's something that he's calling me. So what is that? Mm -hmm. And um, I looked it up and the meaning changed my life. Like Mm -hmm. right there in my apartment on the floor, my whole life was changed. Um, It means that nothing can be added to or taken away from. Mm. And so I had been living in a sense that nobody could take anything from me, Mm -hmm. but the fact that nobody can add anything to my worth either, that it's defined at the cross, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. And so I looked up the Greek word for worthy and it's axios. And I was like, man, that's a thing. Like that is, that is where I need, I mean, it became my password on my phone and my computer and (laughs) not anymore because she just, I was going to say, no, you're going to have to change it. (laughs) I'm going to go change it. I'm going to go change it right now. Do not try to log into her Facebook. Don't be uh, like, let just... me go. You want to give him the email address that goes along yes, with that. And my social security number. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's just kind 
I like where it started. And I do that with all the words that God God teaches yeah. me through words. And so I make them like everywhere. I put them on sticky notes and they're in my car and I talk about them a lot. And um, about two years after that, I graduated from Liberty. I moved back home and God had been telling me for those two years, do something with Axios. And I was like, you do something, you know, like you do something with Axios. <laughs> Like, you told me the name, now go do something. And he was like, I'm trying. You're not being obedient. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so for that year, we wrestled. It was like Jacob and God. Like, we were just like WWE. Like, <laughs> it was just ugly. And of course he won because, of course, he's God. And um, he kind of was like, you need to do a conference. And I was like, in my head, like, realistically, nobody's going to pay to come to a conference to hear this little girl and like me speak like that's just not going to happen and I can't do it if people don't pay because I have four dollars in my bank account (laughs) so So, long story short I kind of like threw the idea out to my best friend and she was on board day one she was like let's do it how do we need to do that and she just like ran with it she organized it she made it happen and somehow like almost 70 people showed up to a conference where I was speaking and every time I go on stage I was like I don't know why you guys are here but I guess thank you (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of where it is we're actually planning Axios 2020 and we are pumped about it um so we hope to see you guys there yeah September right yep yes Saturday September 19th awesome where's it at temple in Selma okay Yep, and there'll be t-shirts and breakfast and speakers and worship and a lot of crying, so stay <laughs> prepared for that. Perfect, ladies. Don't wear makeup. <laughs> yeah. Wear waterproof mascaras. Yes. <laughs> Come prepared. Bring, we said earlier, women need chocolate tissues. Yes. Bring your chocolate. Bring your tissues. That's right. We'll yep. bring the chocolate. You guys bring yeah, the tissues. There you go. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your testimony and how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah, so... Um, I was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, my dad died when I was two from a drug overdose. Um, didn't really know him, so he started off in prison the first year, um, and then that second year I didn't. Obviously, I was young, so I really didn't get much interaction with him. Um, about five years old, my mom moved us to Kenley, North Carolina, and we just kind of fell into poverty there. Um, mm. So she had been a bartender. She was a great bartender. She was incredible, and um, she couldn't do that where we moved. And so we, she kind of lost her trade. She lost her job. And we just really hit poverty pretty hard. Um, multiple houses we lived in didn't have electricity. Um, she started drinking like more than ever. And we just, our relationship was so rocky and hard and painful. And um, about fourth grade, uh, she met my stepdad. And he was addicted to cocaine. Mm-hmm. And so those two together kind of made my life even harder. And a lot of nights I would come home from school and they would be fighting and the cops would be called and we'd be up until three or four in the morning. And now we'd go to school the next day and just kind of fake it um, because I didn't trust anybody. I didn't know who I could trust. Um, I didn't really know at that age what a normal life was supposed to look like. So even though mine was crazy, I didn't fully recognize that. Um, and so they had my little brother who was like an amazing little, like chunky, (laughs) chunky little Mexican baby (laughs) (laughs) and, um, just loved him from day one, but knew like, man, this is going to get harder with two kids now. And I felt like I wasn't being cared for properly. And so I was like, gosh, this is such a mess. Uh, long story short, my stepdad gets deported. Mm. And so now it's a single mom with two kids Mm. And um, we kind of bounced around from house to house. Some had electricity, some didn't, just depending on where she was in work and what she was doing. 
and kind of throughout my whole childhood, I just remember like a lot of drinking and a lot of up and downs and never really knowing what I was coming home to. Like, is she going to be happy? Is she going to be mad? Like, did I do something wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, Is she going to cuss tonight? Is she going to be home tonight? And so I kind of assumed a lot of the responsibility around the house with my brother, with the stuff going on at the house, cleaning, cooking, that kind of stuff. I just kind of took it over because I felt like I had to. And so that led me to high school um, where, as I'm sure you can probably guess, um, I was angry and broken and cut off. And I didn't know anything about Jesus at this point, had never heard of his name. Um, so about 11th grade, I filed for emancipation from my mom. Um, we had been in and out of different houses and she had kicked me out and brought me back. Legally, I was under the age to make my own decisions. And so when she did that, the police could bring me right back, almost like I was a runaway. And um, I just felt trapped and lonely and broken. And right um, at this time, I kind of was at a situation where I wanted to commit suicide. And I really um, just felt like if I didn't exist, the world would be better. Um, And I had convinced myself that would be a gift to me at that point in my life, that if I could take my own life, that um, nobody would even miss me. They'd just fill my seat in school and um, my coaches would put another player on the field and they wouldn't bat an eye. And so it was definitely like the darkest time of my whole life. It was horrible. Um, I felt so alone. I felt like nobody saw me. Um, I felt like every relationship I had, I was faking it. Um, just didn't have a safe place to land. And so that all led me to having to meet with a social worker um, in high school who I like did not like the first time she came into the room because she was so bubbly and I was so angry. And um, very long story short, she ended up taking me into her home for my senior year of high school and kind of like unofficially adopting me Um, because I got emancipated. I can never be legally adopted. So she just kind of unofficially did it. And um, I moved in with her and her husband and their three kids. And wouldn't you know that her husband is a pastor. And so this 17-year-old who doesn't know Jesus at all is now suddenly living with a pastor whose whole job is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started seeing them go to church. Some things in their life started to change, and I was just curious enough and um, just scared enough that they were going to decide I wasn't worth it um, to start going to church with them. And so that's what I did, and I heard a message that changed my whole life, uh, that the king of the world loved me. And I remember thinking, hearing that, that nobody had ever chosen me first for anything, including my mom. And that they must have made a mistake. And so I started asking some questions about that Jesus that they were talking about that loved me so much. And it really, honestly, it feels like two different chapters in my life. It feels like one is old and one is new. And I, talking about myself now, I don't even recognize that Rachel growing up in high school who was angry and broken. Um, All I know is this joy that is unexplainable and this peace that surpasses understanding. Mm -hmm. And so that led me um, to go to Liberty University. Um, I graduated there and then I moved back home to become a teacher. Mm. I loved being a teacher. It was like youth group all day, every day with just a few tests in there. (laughs) And I was not that good at it the first year and got a little bit better. And um, that kind of led me to the ministry that I'm in now. I started serving as a teacher sponsor for a club called First Priority. And before you know it, God had just picked me up from there and put me in the position of the director. And so that's, that's why I'm here. That's how I got here. Long story short. (laughs) That's good. I, um, so I'd like to know, and for people listening, what was something that really, that sticks out to you that kind of shifted your perspective from where you were to 
how you are now or like where you are going to, oh my goodness, this God is real, this God is good. Like what was that perspective shift for you? Like that thing that you really remember, like this was it. Yeah, so there's probably like four or five different instances, but the one that comes to mind immediately was I was dating a guy in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, We had been dating for like two years and this was pre-Christ. So he was my everything. Like my mom didn't have a car. I didn't have a car. And so he literally took me to the grocery store and he took me home from ball practice. And he just kind of was like my whole world in a very unhealthy way. And I remember wanting to accept Christ in youth group. And I started asking this guy to go with me. Um, and he really wasn't interested. He was not as interested as I was. I could tell that God was doing something in my life and that he just wasn't on the same page. And so I'm sitting on my bed at the Pierce house one morning, got my Bible open. And I mean, I was so pathetic. Like I literally didn't know how to pray. I prayed the same prayer off a sticky note. Like I didn't even know how to talk to God at that point. So my prayer was written on a sticky note beside my bed. And that's kind of how I started. And I remember this specific morning because it felt like God was talking back to me for the first time. And I was reading scripture and I was talking to him and I was like, God, I feel weird about something. Like something's not right. And it was like he showed me in a tunnel, a giant tunnel. And I was was at the bottom and he was at the top. And he was like, do you want to get up here? And I was like, yes, like more than anything, God, like I want to pursue you because I can feel that you have something on my life, like a purpose. And I want to know who you are. And you're the first real thing that I've had in my life. So yes, show me more. Mm -hmm. And he was like, there's something right in the middle blocking us and you're going to have to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like a friendship or like popularity or Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, okay, like like soft drinks or coffee, like my cell phone, like I was thinking sugar, like, yeah, uh, like sugar, like <laughs> oxygen, like <laughs> I was thinking like anything other than like what I knew he was going to ask me to give up. And yeah. it was that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just kind of felt like he was saying for the rest of your life, you're going to have to choose who you will serve and who comes first in your life. And so I was like, okay, anything but him. Like, I'm living with a strange family. Um, I don't know them. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I I can almost trust you, but I don't know if I trust you that much. And um, I ended up just feeling like that was what I had to do. And so we did. We ended up breaking up. And what I thought was going to crush me mm-hmm. actually turned into this revelation of God saying thank you. Um, because I've been trying to get to you for 17 years Mm. and you're letting me and I see you exactly where you are. And, um, so that was probably the moment I was like, oh my gosh, like this thing is real. It's so real. He just talked to me on my bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, what is this? So that just kind of catapulted me into like this love relationship I have with him right now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious, like, what that moment was in your lives, like, where you felt like, oh, my gosh, this is real, and that shift happened for you and your faith. For me, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a Christian home and attend church, but for me, I, I've i shared before that, you know, I knew who Jesus was, I knew about God, but I didn't know him, and there's a difference mm-hmm. there, yeah. and so... You know, it was more routine and because my parents made me go and it was just what we did, you know, anytime the doors were open. But for me, I was pregnant as a teenager at 17 and I still continue making bad choices. And I think, think for me, it was really, um, it was a difficult time in my life because it was, you know, partying, constant drinking, just really realizing that I wasn't making the smartest choices and I had a new responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I made some dumb choices and ended up in some situations that should have never happened. And, uh, 
met my now husband and he was in BLET. So he was trying to straighten his life up. And it was honestly sad to say it was in my twenties before I really, you know, made that change and really started, you know, getting in church more because I wanted to. And so it was when it was, when it was because I was going because I wanted to, it was very different and taking things away from the messages that I was hearing and actually being willing to go on my own and read the Bible and be in prayer and get involved. Um, for me, that's when things started changing. And so we knew we wanted that our kids to be in church. And so we, we attended faithfully. And so for me, that was, that was a shifting point for me because I knew that we had more responsibility than just Mm -hmm. myself. And Mm -hmm. he kind of showed me, even though he wasn't involved in church, he grew up in church too. And so it was kind of one of them things he was making the life change for career decision but it was a smart choice because, you know, that's what he had to do. And so it kind of helped get me on the right track to make me want to be a better person and to do better for my kid at the time. And so for me, that's, I think that's when it really shifted. Like it started, God started working on me after I had my daughter, but it, it took a while, you know, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, Susan and I have a very similar story, parts of it, but I think, I was in and out of church as a child. Um, I knew who God was at a very young age. I didn't know the power behind God and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, which I later realized step by step just how powerful he was. But um, I think there was a lot of times where I knew that he was working in my lives, like, or life lives. Like I have, I mean, I have multiple personalities. I knew that he was working in my life, but there was there was one time that I can point out um, as a child, there was a lot of stuff going on in my household. There was a lot of domestic violence, and mm. um, and there was one night where things got really really bad. And I can remember my brother was actually. Um, in college at the time, so he wasn't at home, and he really didn't come home much once he went to college because he was like, I'm out, peace, mm-hmm. you know. And so he was at college, and I can remember it got bad that night, and I went in my closet, and I was just praying to God. like, Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that was all I had. Like, there were, at, my friends couldn't know. I was in high school. Like, they didn't really, yeah. you know, they yeah. didn't know anything that was going on. I kept everything hidden, and so I remember in my closet, I was just praying to God, like, God, please, 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 like, you've got to do something. And... um I can remember my brother came home that night randomly and yeah and he sat on my bed and he was like I can remember him saying if if mom doesn't get you out I'll get you out and that day I was like okay that was like just a whisper from God you know like a and but still I ran you know still I ran and there was many other instances until had my daughter at 18 years I just turned 18 and I was still running and then I loved a guy like to where he was like an idol and it was, it was still bad. Like it, it just kept running and running and running. And then I think finally it really happened when her father went to prison the second time or my mm-hmm. kid's father went to prison the second time. And, um, at that point I was like, God, I got to do something. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Like people are not doing anything for me. I, I don't have any friends. Like my family's kind of like, we're not going to deal with this anymore sort of kind of thing. And I was like, I've got to do something. Like, I've got to change my way of thinking. 
And so I just delved in, like, jumped headfirst into church. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to church. I'm be there every time. Like, I'm not turning yep. around. I'm not going anywhere else. And I just did that. And I, I didn't talk to anybody. I just literally stayed by myself and read my Bible, did a devotion, went to bed at, like, 830 at night. I was so boring. Like, I was, like, <laughs> real boring. Girl, I relate. Yeah. I relate. <laughs> it's like, real boring. But that was when, like, and God had showed himself to, to me over and over again. I mean, like, crazy ways where people would be like, what in the world? Like, I mean, seeing his face in certain situations and um, just, you know, God winks here and there and everywhere and, and letting me know, like, hey, I'm there. I'm, you know, I haven't left you, but I'm still like, I don't know if I want to be in this full. I was, like, on that fence. Like, you mm-hmm. know how they talk about on that fence? I was totally wavering on that fence. Yeah. Like, I want to live the life I want to live, but then I want to say that I know who God is, you know? And Finally, I just kind of jumped head first, and that yeah. was really that perspective shift for me is, man, he has been so faithful all my life. And then that's really when I started um, seeing, like, he opened up, like, this is why things were this way, and this is why this happened, and it's not because anything you did, and yeah. it's not because who you are, but it's because it had to happen, and it, it was kind of like he just one by one showed me certain situations, and I was like, wow. Like, okay, I get it. And so I think that that was the big shifting, the biggest shifting point for me. But I've seen God's faithfulness over and over in different ways, like you said, too. You know, you remember one instance, but there's so many different things that I've seen. Yeah, and that's crazy that, like, we all have such a different story. Mm -hmm. And somehow we're sitting here talking on a podcast about how good God has been to us. Right. That's just like you know, public service announcement to whoever's listening. <laughs> like, he can do that for you, yeah. too. So yes. it's pretty incredible. Well, we're talking about overcoming, you know, the odds. And mm-hmm. so, you know, obviously we had all kinds of odds against us. But, yeah. you know, not to brag, but say, like, look where we are now. Look how far we've come. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that can give you that hope that, you know, you don't have to stay stuck where you're at, that there's, you know, something on the other side for you and God has a plan for you regardless of what you've been through and where you come from. Yeah. And um, I have a scripture that I want to sh- share that's in Second <laughs> Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Um, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, everything we've all been through, like thinking about how weak we were, but how strong he really made us through what we've been through. And um, I had written down that an overcomer requires complete dependence upon God for direction, purpose, for purpose, fulfillment, and strength to follow his plan for our lives. Yeah. And so we can overcome anything, but I think that it, it comes with that surrender. We had to surrender it over and allow him to work in our lives. And, you know, sometimes I think our ears are blocked off from when he's trying to speak to us. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people we've talked about this before say, well, what does hearing from God sound like? Like, how do you know you heard from God? I've never heard from God. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how he can speak through you to, through songs or, you know, through a friend or a phone call or, you know, a church service or whatever it may be. Um, but but for you, you know, it came yeah. at that time in your life. And, you know, conviction too. Like yeah. you, that form of conviction, you know, he's speaking to you and you know when he's telling you to weed out certain people and, and, 
order for you to maintain that relationship with him. But if you had not listened, you probably wouldn't be where you're at right now. And so the fact that you were able to um, completely depend on him Mm -hmm. and what he had to give you to be able to make Axios happen, you know, showing the sacrifices you made. And I get, you know, I speak at churches, you guys know that. Um, And when I do that, people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, like, how did you just get up and share that? And I go to that scripture. That is my scripture that I go to. And I'm like, I didn't get up here and do anything except tell you how weak I am. Mm -hmm. Like really at the end of the day, I got nothing. (laughs) I eat Twizzlers for dinner way too many nights. It's embarrassing. So I think what I tell them every time is I just get up here and talk about how terrible I am. God does all the work, yeah. right? Like he holds, like he holds the weight. He shoulders the, the mm-hmm. team. He's carrying us on his back. And I just get up here and tell you how, how much of a mess I made of everything until he came in and I just right. surrendered to him and was mm-hmm. obedient. And I think just like an encouragement to me is he doesn't know anything other than victory, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not a time where he's lost. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of overcomer, I'm like, we have to be that. That's our identity. Like mm-hmm. that was rooted in us from the beginning was yep. that you are going to be an overcomer. Mm-hmm. So I love that scripture. I've got that scripture actually on my mirror because mm-hmm. I like for it to be a reminder every day that his power is made perfect in my weakness. It has nothing to do with my power. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do that anything that I can do. It's his power. And do I, do I want to be weak so that he can be strong? Yes. So like if I am yeah. weak, like it's okay because his power is being made perfect in me, mm-hmm. which means that I'm not going to be weak at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I have his authority. I have him living inside of me. So I like, I love that reminder in that scripture of it's not me, it's him and, and being reminded of that every day. I wanted to share a scripture too. And this is the one that, um, in John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And he took our opposition. Like we live in Christ's victory. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the perfect thing that I like to view as a whole is like we, he takes everything that we've been through and we know once we come to Christ and he lives inside of us, we live in the victory of Christ. Um, And so all the temptations, all the things of this world, they're nothing, you know? Um, And so he's telling us like, we are going to have trouble. Like there are things that are going to happen, but take heart Take heart in me. Take heart in the things that you know, the truth that you know. I have overcome all of that. Yeah. So it's almost like a piece of hope for us that, yes, there are, there are tribulations that we're all going to go through in our life if you've been through things like that. Um, but that God has told you he has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Take heart in that and know that nothing can tear you down. You mm-hmm. are already an overcomer because of him. Like mm-hmm. yeah. there's, there's nothing else that can tear you down. I had that written down. Mm-hmm. We can overcome because he has overcame. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And the cool, like the crazy part about that is I think like easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's easy to look at people and think, man, they, like we were talking about earlier, like they got it all together. Mm-hmm. They're incredible. They're on fire for Christ. They're perfect. Like there's no sin in them. Right. Like, they're the second <laughs> Jesus. Like I look at people like that all the time, right? Like we idolize people. And then I think like, oh my goodness, wait, but wait, like in the middle 
of this mess mm-hmm. because I still have a giant mess. We were just mm-hmm. talking about right. earlier, like my family is still broken. Mm-hmm. I'm still dealing with like right. effects of abuse and verbal abuse mm-hmm. and uh, domestic violence. I mean, I'm still like working through mm-hmm. those right now as a 26 year old ministry leader. And I just think that that scripture provides so much hope right dead in the middle of it, Absolutely. in the middle of your mm-hmm. junk, Amen. that he has overcome things that you don't even see yet. Mm-hmm. And he has overcome everything that you've already lived through. So yeah. I love, yeah, I love that. Right too. That perseverance, like that perseverance that he puts inside of us that I don't even think sometimes we realize that's inside of us. You know, like I was made to persevere. Like yeah. what? You know, I mean, I can think back all my life at times that I was like, no, like, this is just it. Like, I'm not made to be anything more. I'm not made for, you know, anything. Like, I'm just here, kind of. Like, but we were made to persevere. We were made for that in Christ. Like, Christ died for us on the cross so that we could be perseverers. We could be overcomers. And I think Mm -hmm. that we forget that. I mean, I know I forget that every, you know, all the time. Like, when when things are hard or when, you know, you that goes away. But, like, yeah. knowing that we don't have to live in the flesh. Like, we can live in the spirit. And we don't have to live in lost hope. We can live in that hope. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing about Christ in general is being able to share that love yeah. with other people and saying, like, there is hope in all of this. Yeah. Like, um, no matter where you're struggling, no matter where you've been through, no matter where you may go in the future, like th- there is always hope. Mm-hmm. There's always hope in his truth. Yeah. And there's like a, like a, something in our society right now that's like a victim mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, poor me. Like this happened and poor me. And then we kind of tuck our heads. And I do, I absolutely think we forget that the God who lives inside of us raised dead people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he made bones into humans Mm -hmm. like he did that and he is still doing that and his word said that he's the same from the beginning to the middle to the end so if he could raise Lazarus from the dead Mm -hmm. if he could come back three days later then don't we have that same power and oh my goodness what if we could tap into that Mm -hmm. like that would be that would be crazy I know that's what I was just thinking too is that you know when he died he wrote like he's Mm -hmm. inside of us and so we have the power to be able to perform healings and to do all of these things. But do we live in that power mm-hmm. of knowing the depth of who we are in Christ? And and I think that I'm mean, obviously that takes a lot for you to just feel like that you are that, I, you are that powerful. Yeah. Like you are that powerful that you have the authority that Christ lives inside of you to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's hard to get there. It's not just like, it's not like a step overnight. I mean, especially when you've been through tons of stuff. And even if you haven't been through tons of stuff, like, I mean, it's hard to have that revelation of like, oh, really? Like I can do that? Or Christ lives inside of me and he wants that for me. I mean, that's hard. It reminds me of a scripture. Um, oh, you have a little faith. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah. we don't have faith all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, and the, the thing is for us, we, we haven't, or I could say we haven't physically seen it, like, you know, back when mm-hmm. Jesus walked the, the earth. However, it can still happen. It does still happen. But I believe a lot of it is our mindset and when our yeah. hearts and what we really truly believe that he can do. I think mm-hmm. when we really believe that he can do that, we can see it and experience that and that he can use us for those things. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's so cool that this is called overcoming the odds because in that scripture, he talks about how he's overcome the world. And Mm -hmm. if we live in that, if we could just tap into that. And 
like in a really realistic way because I love to put steps to like big ideas like yeah. what does that look like every day uh-huh. that looks like you're in your bible more than you're on instagram right mm-hmm. um that looks like you're praying in the car in the shower at mm-hmm. night when you're mad like that looks like a very submissive spirit and we can track the disciples lives through mm-hmm. all of that and just see where were those moments where that victory, that overcoming happened? Like where were those moments that mm-hmm. they tapped into that spirit and they were like, I'm going to go raise or heal this person or mm-hmm. raise them from the dead. Um, they just were such a good example of living by that kind of faith, like day by day. Cause they were humans. Yeah. They weren't like little angels, like placed here on the earth. Like they still probably stubbed their toe and like cussed a little <laughs> bit, you know, like, like they were like flawed sinners and yeah. somehow they still were able to tap into that like spirit power that only can come from the King, which is pretty incredible. And you think too, because a lot of people might even say that, um, you know, we have so many more distractions, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that in their time they had distractions, ba- you know, we just Bathsheba. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> like she's just like bathing naked in the shower. <laughs> he was walking around Distract- with his <laughs> Distract his wraparound porch in yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> walking around that That might sound familiar yeah that's a distraction like hello like she's naked outside Mm -hmm. cool (laughs) so much excuses over distractions i think that it's not we all have distractions but what are you allowing to be an excuse for you not to tap into that kind Mm -hmm. of thing like check yourself and figure out what excuses are you i mean because you have time you know sometimes you're like i don't have enough time there's not enough time in the day and i I think i've talked about this before but there's plenty enough time in the day i I think i said there's you know 24 hours i broke it down in minutes and seconds and the fact is is if if god knew that we were only gonna have you know he gave us 24 hours he gave us plenty of time he would have been like oh they need more time you know so what are you doing with the time that you have and how are you using it are you making excuses in it kind of thing yeah and there was um something that somebody said changed my mind I found myself making a lot of excuses about my time yeah I can't work out because I have to do this I can't do this because I have to do this right um and so I was just making excuse after excuse after excuse not to be doing things that I knew I needed to be doing Mm -hmm. and somebody said you have the same hours in a day that the president of the United States has and I was like, man, he's making like life, whoever is in the office is making like life changing decisions during the day. I have the same access to the same time yeah. and I can't even like do a crunch or like a push up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I just need to be really smart about my resources here and be really, really intentional about my relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And I think that probably changed a lot for me was mm-hmm. just like seeking him in a very intentional way. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to show up to church. And if I get something, I get something. Mm-hmm. If not, I won't. It was like, man, what do I think about when I wake up in the morning? I'm not going to touch my phone. I'm going to go to scripture. And what's on my mirror in my bathroom? More scripture. And yeah. what are the conversations I'm having um, in the teacher's lounge as a teacher? I'm talking about scripture. And mm-hmm. it was just that intentional like submission every day to what is God doing in my life and how can I share that with other people? Yeah, that's good. That is good. I wanted to ask you a question too. Um, what's something that you would say to those who feel like there's no way out or, you know, they're, they're stuck in a place and maybe they've never heard from God or maybe they've never even heard of God and this is their first time hearing about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, what's something, you know, that you would say to them? Yeah, I would, um, man, that's good. I would probably say he's as close as you let him be. That's good. Um, he really, really is. And it takes, it takes a simple conversation. Mm-hmm. It takes a prayer in your closet mm-hmm. when your parents are fighting in the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a prayer on your bed from a sticky note. 
I mean, I started humble beginnings, like didn't understand anything (laughs) about God. And the fact that I thought I could talk to somebody who makes mountains move Mm -hmm. was weird to me. And so Mm -hmm. I was still navigating that. So if you feel stuck, um, if you feel maybe like you haven't heard from him, he's as close as you're going to let him be. Mm -hmm. And as much effort as we put into our relationship with him, that's as much fruit as we see in our Mm -hmm. lives. And so if you would just open up a Bible, if you would open up a tab on your phone, um, the Bible app on your phone, just start reading, start Mm -hmm. reading somewhere in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, just pray. I mean, a lot of times my prayers start with like that. I'm mad. Like, Hey Jesus, I'm mad. Mm -hmm. And he's okay with that. And I think, I think church culture has done kind of a crappy job in my opinion as a newcomer in making us feel like we can't ask him hard questions right and we can only smile and tell you that Jesus is going to make my whole life perfect yeah and um after I met Jesus I went through a failed engagement um my mom is still an alcoholic my Mm -hmm. brother lives with me right now so nothing about Jesus makes your life perfect. Right. Um, but in all of that, there's a hope that mm-hmm. anchors the soul. Yeah. And so that's I'm good. not shaken and I'm not moved um, in a way that most people are. And that's only because I know how close he is. Mm-hmm. And I work really hard to make sure he stays there because the enemy is real. Mm-hmm. And he says that he seeks to devour and to mm-hmm. kill and to destroy. And if we're not on guard, if we're not doing our part, if we are not waking up every morning with that thirst, um, that only, um, living water can fill, Mm -hmm. then we will so easily feel like we're stuck and so easily feel like we can't see him, but he's everywhere. Mm -hmm. He's, he's in the sunset on your way to work in the morning and he's in you doing the dishes. Um, the fact that you get food to eat on a plate, he's there. So he's just as close as you make him. That's good. That is good. All I can think about when you just said he's when you clean the dishes. Um, I've had to recently start cleaning the bathrooms at work. And I was telling Crystal a while back, I was cleaning the toilet and I was like, I was I was pretty irritated. And I go, nope, I'm, I'm going to do it for the Lord. Everything I do, I'm going to do it for the Lord. And I started cleaning that toilet and I was like, I clean toilets for the Lord. Lord. Like, toilets for the Lord. Amen. And so I'm in the bathroom like singing that. And I'm like, there's clients out there in the waiting room. And I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it for the Lord. They say, he says, everything you do, do it for the Lord. You no, know? I love that so much. So when I was working as a writer at Liberty um, University's marketing department, I was so excited. I was like easily the youngest person there. And so I was like gung-ho, like coming with like with my coffee and like wanting to like, hey, everybody, you know, as we've talked about, I'm a morning person. So I'm like, what's up? How are you? Did you sleep well? How You know, and just a hundred miles an hour. And um, we were in our little morning huddle. I'm with all these like professional, incredibly intelligent people. And um, they're like, Rachel, you know, whatever they said, like, this is our new writer. And I was like, honestly, like I would just clean the toilets in this building if you guys would let me. Like, I'm just so honored and humbled to be yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was standing in a circle full of Christians and I remember them looking at me almost like I disgusted them. <laughs> and I had to like go home and talk to God about that because mm-hmm. my feelings were so hurt. And mm-hmm. I was like, God, that was a genuine statement for me. Like, and I say that wherever I go, if you want me to clean toilets, I'm going to clean toilets yeah, for right? Jesus. I yeah. don't care. And I think that so many people don't tap into that, like yeah. that, mm-hmm. that shift in your mindset. You're in control of that. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. are cleaning the toilets at work and you can <laughs> sing for the Lord right. while you're cleaning the toilets. And does that look crazy to people who don't know God? Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, I can guarantee you that something is going to happen in their life and they're going to think of you like singing yeah. that song, <laughs> cleaning your toilets. Like, I well, love it's, that. As crazy as it looks, it's also like there, there's people that, you probably don't know, like you said, that it affects in the way of 
man, like she does this humbly, like it doesn't matter what she's doing. Like, it, I mean, it's such a, an, like a, an astounding representation of like how good God is. It doesn't matter like what we do for him or how, you know, we're just doing it for the whole glory of him, mm-hmm. yeah. despite what it is. And it doesn't matter if it's seen, if it's not seen, like that's not even what it's about. What it's about is just representing him in the fullness of who he is to everybody that we come in contact with, whether or not it be a complete stranger, whether or not it be a text conversation, whatever it may be is just. And, and when you think about like the fact that we are the least of these, yeah, (laughs) like he literally picked me up out of dirt and garbage Mm -hmm. and somehow he said that he wants me. Um, and so when I think of myself, which sometimes I can get prideful and arrogant and I lose sight of that. But when I'm sitting in that, I'm like, man, I really would, would be honored to clean toilets for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't that take you back to scripture where he's washing his disciples feet? Mm-hmm. And like he's the king of the world. <laughs> you don't need to be washing anybody's feet, Jesus. Right, like yeah. get up. What are you doing? And he did it so humbly and mm-hmm. so beautifully. And I just think that is something I want to emulate in my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's good. That is good. Well, you know, like I've heard people share stories of they started off in the church sweeping the floors or even taking the trash out. And Crystal had mentioned something the other day about how a pastor had started off really small and, Mm -hmm. you know, just working their way up. And so, you know, I had somebody that always told me, you know, whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. And, you know, we get easily frustrated and and down on ourselves sometimes, I think, when we find ourselves stuck in a situation we don't want to be in. But if we uh, shift our mindset and we see it from a different perspective, I really think that, you know, we can have joy in our hearts no matter what. Yeah. And you guys, you guys are the perfect example of that. You started this like on a front porch with crickets and dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you did, like you had humble beginnings and now we're sitting in this, like, I wish you guys could see it because it's so cute, but this like adorable shed that's like so glammed up and you started from like nothing. Mm -hmm. Like you started talking about yourselves, like with the, with the mosquitoes outside. Like that's pretty incredible. Like humble beginnings. I would prefer this over a studio any day, mm-hmm. though. This is all, yeah, yeah. This is great. I um I wrote one time and pinned it to my board. Be- I might cry seeing this. You need a tissue? It's I a don't know. I don't like we to cry. Yeah, <laughs> but I wrote one time, and I and it's I guess because that's how my heart feels. But um, I never want to love myself more than I love others. Like mm-hmm. I want my love to be betrayed for others way before me, mm-hmm. and so. I pray that God humbly makes me see that everywhere I go. Like, this has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with who I am. It has nothing to do with me at all. All of this has something to do with Him. And every step of the way, no matter what I do, like, I'm doing this for Him. Not for me. Not for anybody else. Like, this is strictly for Him and for the people that it could potentially touch or could potentially heal or whatever it is like and I don't ever want my I hope that he would knock me down to the core like take everything away if that's the case um test it I you know what I mean like I don't ever want like to hold myself at a higher place than I ever hold Mm -hmm. anybody else because I, I value everybody else more than I value. Like I value myself, but God loved others, Mm -hmm. their neighbors, you know, you love your neighbors as yourself. So I love me in Christ, but I want to love other people more, you know? And so I, I I hope that, you know, that's the way that we serve God in everything Mm -hmm. we do. Like it's not, we just know, like it's not, 
nothing of this is like for us. Like yeah. it's for his glory. It's for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that every day, I feel like, and, and you can get caught up in not, oh, yeah. you know? And so just having that perspective mm-hmm. on everything that you do. Yeah. And there was, I read a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which is like super controversial. So we're not even going to go there, but <laughs> I loved it and I read it. And it's basically like um, an uncle demon talking to his nephew demon. And they're like mm-hmm. plotting how they're going to distract people. And he, what like blew my mind was obviously this is all like made up from C.S. Lewis. Like mm-hmm. he's not sitting in like the living room of these demons. Like this is made up in his mind, but the distraction that he used was so small. It was like the argument with your mom. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the day, you're thinking about mm-hmm. the argument with your mom. Yeah. You're not thinking about the kingdom or the gospel. Or it was the way that lady looked at you at the checkout line, at food line. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of that drive home, you are so focused on that. And you totally forget the eternal purpose that you have. and. Right. I think that is one of the biggest overlooked tools of the enemy is let me throw little teeny tiny things. Let me make you mad on your drive to work. Mm -hmm. Let me um, show you something on Instagram that distracts you. And then this little tiny thing occupies so much of our time and we become ineffective for the kingdom. Mm. And I think that's where we are kind of as a society is Mm -hmm. we are so focused on little teeny tiny things Mm -hmm. that the power that we were talking about earlier can't even be tapped into because we are paralyzed um, with these distractions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I um, was going to talk earlier, too, about the parable of the persistent widow mm. and how she was consistent and persistent in all that she was doing for the kingdom of God and how that was such overcoming those kind of things. But when you were just talking, too, it reminded me about... Um, the, you know, knowing the armor, mm-hmm. knowing like yes. what you have to armor yourself with daily. I know my, what battles that I face more than anything are mind battles. Like it could just be from anything like, oh my goodness, I said something. Did they take that wrong? Or, yeah. um, I didn't mean it that way. Or I mean, so like I just went somewhere the other night and I said something, it was nothing bad whatsoever. But as soon as I left, I was like, maybe I overset my bounds. And, and I, I don't think I did, but I have learned the biggest thing is is knowing where you fight, knowing where the enemy attacks you the the best and where he tries to attack you the best. And then every morning now that I've read about the armor and each specific thing, I know I have to put on the helmet of salvation. And so every morning that I wake up now, that's the first thing I pray. Mm-hmm. God, put the helmet of salvation on my head. Do not let my mind battle. And any time, any time that I start going questioning that... I need the helmet of salvation. Like, yeah. I immediately go to that because I think everybody fights with different stuff. Um, but knowing, like, specifically, what do you fight with? What do you need to overcome from? And then praying those specifics over who you are so that you know, like, there's there's no room for the enemy to come in if you are strictly, of you know, saying, tearing him down before he even oh, starts, yeah. you know, before that attack even begins. So I think knowing those things, too, helps any time that you feel like you're in a place where um, you're being attacked or, or you feel like you could be um, taken over yeah. instead of being an overcomer, like having the knowledge and the wisdom because God has called us to that yeah. revelation of his word um, and knowing that for yourself so yeah. that 
um, you can fight it off before it even begins. Yeah, and and I don't ever want to make light of like struggles and um, so many people suffer from that, like anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or addiction or anger. Um, There's so many things that are so real and it's not just as easy as like, oh, well, God is so good. So let me get over this. Um, It's, it is that daily, like Mm -hmm. armoring up, like Mm -hmm. for real, like we are warriors. And I love that about us, that he's given us everything we need to fight in Ephesians. And he tells us all about that. But there's another scripture that I opened up because I really wanted to share it because I love it. It's on my bedroom door. It's just something that like makes me feel so safe and secure. It's um, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall be safe under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress Mm -hmm. and my God in him I will trust. And so just to encourage everybody out there that when you are going through those things, like, you know, when you are in that closet space or in that dark time and you think things are overwhelming, he is a refuge. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And he loves when we come to him and we are scared and we are intimidated and we sit at his feet and Mm -hmm. we go, God, could you be my strength today? Cause I don't think that I can do it for myself. And in that, I think he loves to just kind of swoop us under his wing and say, come here, girl. Like, or boy, you know, come here, uh, come here, child. Um, I love you and I'm here and you can find so much peace and strength in who I am. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Yeah. That's good. It's like, you know, talking about the armor too. And, and even the scripture you just shared, you know, soldiers, they prepare for war. You yeah. have to be ready for battle. And it's the same with us. I mean, there's going to be a battle every single day and we have to make the choice when we wake up and our feet hit the floor or even before our feet hit the floor to armor ourselves Mm -hmm. and and just pray to God. Thank you for this day. And I need you to your protection over me Mm -hmm. today because the enemy's at work constantly, but the fact that he's our stronghold and he's our protection and he's always there scooping us up in his arms and and taking care of us and leading us down the right path. But we just have to cling to that. Yeah. And that's so real like that for anybody listening for me in my life, that has been literally what he's done for me Mm -hmm. is just, he's just picked me up and he's made something broken whole mm-hmm. and he he's made something old new and i think like i think i see a lot in our culture that we talk about these things um and like what are you actually doing with them you know mm-hmm. like we it's easy for us to say like armor up now mm-hmm. what does that actually look like right. and are we doing it or are we just talking about doing it cuz yeah. a conviction of mine is i talk about doing it Um, and even it goes so far as to say when I pass somebody and I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. Did I pray for them? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm so convicted to act on those things and to be, cause I know I fail at that to be in the word and that Mm -hmm. is our armor and to be in prayer and to be in community, um, where sometimes other people have to fight your battle for you. And if you're not in community, if you're not invested in your church and your Mm -hmm. friends in their lives, then they can't even armor up with you like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to say, too, just thinking about all of this, that um, there will be times that even when you armor, there will be times that even when you read, even when you're in the truth, as hard as you can be, that you feel like you are being overcome by the flesh and that there you don't lose anything that God still overcome overcomes every day and that no matter what you may be facing in that instance and no matter is if you feel like a failure or anything else that 
that can never take the place of what Christ has done. Yes. And so you pick yourself up the next day and you start over. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't define you. That one day will not define the rest of your life. Right. Like it doesn't doesn't matter what you do in that, that second or that minute or how you may even respond. Like you repent and you start over the next day. And God sees that obedience and that heart. Because that, that's really what he's looking for is that heart yes. to know like, okay, I didn't do what it was exactly right. But God, my heart is in the right place and I am coming to you and I know that like my your mercies are new every morning. So pick yourself back up and start over because even us sitting here and yeah. I'm I'm gonna say me, but I'm probably vouching for everybody sitting here, like we're we're not perfect. We you know, we make mistakes every day and yeah. there's not every day I mean like every day I might wake up and say, Hey, put the he- the helmet of salvation and then by the end of the day I'm like <laughs> Something has come in and made, yeah, so I mean, (laughs) the reality of it is, is I still know though that that doesn't make me a failure, that Mm -hmm. doesn't define who I am, that doesn't make me lose value in who I am, but it sets me aside and says, you are still a child of God and you are still in Christ and Christ still dwells inside of you. And because of that, you can wake up the next day and you can go towards the next day with full confidence in who he is, knowing that you're still good. Like yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't make anything different. And his, the scripture said, says his love is deeper yeah. and wider mm-hmm. and, um, you can't out sin mm-hmm. his love. And mm-hmm. now that's not a free pass. Um, <laughs> right. I, hate when, I hate when people use grace as like, well, just grace, like right. I'm covered in grace. So I'm going to go like get wasted tonight. <laughs> like that is not how grace works. Right. It's not like a pass go, you know, collect $200. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so, something that we should be living in and dwelling in each right. and every day. And we don't take advantage of it, but it's there when we need it. Mm-hmm. And thank God that it's there. Yeah. <laughs> he can use broken vessels in and our weaknesses. Yes. He can still somehow, how use us to overcome the odds, which mm-hmm. is incredible that mm-hmm. he uses so many broken people. Uh, just, I can never, anytime I speak or I talk to people, mm-hmm. I just am sitting in that very humble place of like, there's no way yeah. <laughs> like, if people knew how ugly and messy my heart and my soul was like on a daily basis. And the fact that God can still do something yeah. in that. Yeah. And that is really how I show up to all these speaking engagements. I show up and as I'm walking in the door, I'm like, well, <laughs> this the best I got. So if you could, <laughs> if you could really just like show up right now, yeah. that would be super yeah. helpful. You know, like most of the time, I can't even reach the microphone on the podium. <laughs> I'm so sure. So I'm like, God, like literally make me taller or like make me louder or. And I just rely so much on him coming through. And it is crazy in that space what he will do when you mm-hmm. do that. The the people that you affect and the lives that are changed for eternity. Um, because you are obedient and you armored up yeah. and you are drowning in his grace. And mm. you know, that is, Oh my goodness. I feel like it's so important for people to, to know some of where you came from, because if they see you now in the present, you know, and like we had talked about before and they're judging you based off of who you are now, you know, not that everybody needs to know your business, but at the same time, you know, I think, you know, the purpose in this podcast is so that Others can see that they're not alone, Mm -hmm. that you're not too far gone um, for God to ever pull you back in. Mm -hmm. And we all make bad choices. We've all been through different situations and some may look worse than others. But at the same time, like 
he takes those people and he uses them for something else. And so I think it's important when people look at us or, or anyone for that matter, where they're at currently, that they look deeper and they're able to see where, what got them to where they are now. Yeah. Cause his mercies are new every morning and that's not just for you. And that's not just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for every single person yeah. that he loves. And mm-hmm. so when we're tapping into that, it is life changing and it, it's not perfect and it's not Instagram filter and um, a million followers and a Lamborghini sitting outside your house. It's, <laughs> you know, like it's often sitting in the shed in the back of somebody's house, um, drinking water and mm-hmm. talking about how good he is. Yeah. And he's so present there and mm-hmm. he's so faithful there. I just had something pop in my head. Instead of filtering our pictures, we should be filtering what goes through our minds, you know, like filtering ourselves for Jesus. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is, oh my gosh, that I could talk for like three hours on that. So something I'm like huge on is what is coming into my mind? Mm -hmm. What's coming into my eyes? What am I looking at? What Mm -hmm. am I listening to? And something I got convicted about a long time ago was social media, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, because we so desire to be popular and to be seen. And Mm -hmm. we are a culture who wants to be heard. And I was like, God, why do I even have it? And Mm -hmm. I think I had to really narrow it down to one purpose, Instagram, Facebook, all of that is another way for me to share the gospel. Um, But something I did was take all notifications off of everything. Mm -hmm. So like somebody likes a picture, I don't know. Um, Somebody shares a post, I don't know. Because I was getting so big headed and I was getting so just prideful. Like, look at me, look how far I've come. Look at everything I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was right in my face all the time. The whole world is screaming, wow, look at you, look at you. And you need to be seen and heard. Um, And so, yes, the filter is so important. And I think that's played a huge role in my ability just to stay like, oh my gosh, did he use me? Like, Mm -hmm. can he do that through me? Um, is that I'm filtering constantly. Like something's on the TV, I change it if I don't need to see it. Um, And it's immediate. It's not, I mean, he doesn't, this delayed obedience of like, maybe I'll do it like next week is not working for us. Like Mm -hmm. you see something on the TV that you shouldn't be watching, turn it off. Um, I just, oh yes, the whole filter thing just gets me going. (laughs) It's big too, because I think for people who are just coming to Christ or for people who um, are just beginning the relationship, um, a lot of this stuff comes through convictions. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to be convicted of these things, we have to be in tune with what God is, yeah. is saying to us and, and be willing to set our flesh aside and say, okay, this is where I want to walk. And so I, I'm huge on like I mean, I, I have a guilty conscience anyways. I I would not ever mm-hmm. be like a good liar or anything like that. I mean, like, I just melt. I mean, like, it's not good. But seriously, like, I mean, it comes to the point where convictions are just so important. Like, if, if you feel like in your heart, and you know, you know. Oh, yeah. When you feel in your heart, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this or maybe I shouldn't be watching this. You know, making sure that you are obedient in those areas too, because I think that's what God is trying to see is like where, where what's in your heart? Mm-hmm. You know, like is your is your heart positioned in the right place to see what I'm trying to show you, so I can take you to bigger levels, so I can move you where I want to move you, and and yeah. being open to hear those things. I mean, that's awesome that you just shared that because I think that a lot of times we aren't open. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know in my own life that I haven't been open and. You know, I want to be in tune with those convictions because those convictions are so powerful yeah, and deep. Yeah. I mean, to the point where sometimes it's bad. Like, I walk outside and I see trash on the ground. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this is God's earth. I should pick this trash up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, 
okay, God, is this really yeah. you telling me to pick this piece of receipt up that is probably, you know, like, I mean, some stuff yeah. is like that. I'm like, is it, what is this? But if you think back to it, it truly is like, what's in your heart? Mm-hmm. Like, are you just glimpsing by stuff? Are you, and so it really does revolve around like keeping yourself filtered mm-hmm. from specific things so that you can keep your heart where it's supposed to be. I mean, cause ultimately God just wants to push you to limits that you could never even imagine, but your heart has to be right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you know, you can't go into a place with your heart all in pieces um, and then, you know, assume that you're just going to be projected. Like, he's got to get your heart right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that he can't use you with your heart broken, but it, it's still, he needs your heart where it needs to be in order yeah. to use you where he needs to use you. And he, so, he needs you focused. Right. He needs you focused. And I did a devotional like years and years ago at a basketball thing at my church. And I was so convicted over kingdom focus. Um, that I had just been so distracted on earthly focus that I was missing like the people walking by me and when they get to the throne room one day and Mm -hmm. they have to answer that question Mm -hmm. I do not like that terrifies me to think that God's going to show me a video and say you walked right past this person Mm -hmm. Rachel and they needed me more than you could have ever imagined and so that kingdom focus, that being aware of like man who is this person in the grocery store and what am I doing at my house at night when nobody else can see me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your character yeah. is shown in those moments yeah. absolutely. when nobody is watching you. Mm-hmm. And so it like, it blows people's minds. Like Rachel, you really don't drink at all. Like you're 26 years old. You kind of live by yourself. Like of course my brother lives with me, but you don't drink and you don't smoke and you aren't sleeping around. Like even my high schoolers I used to teach were blown away by that. And yeah. I was like, no, because what I do and not that drinking is wrong. It's not for me. It was a conviction. And for me, God spoke very clearly mm-hmm. to me of being sober minded. And so for me, it would have been a sin for me to partake in alcohol personally. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I do not feel that way about everybody, but things like that where I'm like, man, I just want to tune in. Like, I just want to close my eyes and I want to see Jesus and I just want to chase him a hundred and fifty percent, a hundred miles an hour, and the rest of it can fall away. Mm. That's really good. You know, when you're sitting there talking about convictions for you, I am, I could probably go on a tangent about this, but also everybody's convicted differently. Like everybody is not convicted the same. Like you might be convicted over something and I'm totally not convicted over it at all. But the fact of the matter is, is when we are completely in tune with those convictions for ourselves, we also aren't stumbling blocks for everybody else around us. And so God will also give those convictions in our heart to make sure that we are not becoming a stumbling block. I'm not becoming a stumbling block for you because he knows that what you are convicted of, that I obviously... I would be convicted of in that moment to not do that in front of you or to not be around you and doing those specific things. So the convictions come in totally different kind of ways sometimes, you know, but everybody's convictions are not the same and and that's okay. But being, knowing those convictions. So you also are not a stumbling block for somebody else that does struggle with something that's different than you. Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that because I think we get distracted by convictions, yeah. right? Like almost almost anything we can get distracted by, we get <laughs> distracted by it. And so like I'll say that somewhere and somebody will be like, so you think like all drinking is wrong? And then immediately like there's a battle that wants to be mm-hmm. waged. And I'm like, I'm not even going to participate in that because at the end of the day, yeah. that is not important. Right. Like whether I believe in tattoos and nose rings, which are adorable, like that is not important, right? Like 
those small, tiny little things, the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And there are some black and white truths in the Bible. Like there are some things that God says are absolutely wrong and you cannot change my mind on it because Mm -hmm. it's right here in the pages of this book. But there are some areas where we really have to be close enough to the Lord to hear what he says to us. Absolutely. Like for me, I think drinking would probably be like multifaceted why he's asked me to abstain from that number one because addiction runs in my family Mm -hmm. and if you see how much coffee I drink a day you would be like yeah stay away from anything else (laughs) like it's bad it's really bad um they call me the four cupper that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) just keep going so I think that's it and then I think that I have a tendency to um want to please people and so in a social setting um, it would be very easy for me to say, oh, my friend Crystal and Susan, they're doing it. And so now I want to do it. And mm-hmm. so if I just go into it saying, no, like that's something God has asked me not to do, yeah. then immediately that, right, that armors up right. when we go in there and we fought that battle already. Mm-hmm. That used to be a question I asked a pastor of ours. I would, I'd always ask him questions. And I remember asking him like, okay, so, it, you know, it's wrong to drink, right? You know, and, and he was like, let's just put it this way. Say you're out to dinner and you're sitting there and you're having a glass of wine and someone you know walks in the door and they see you with that glass of of wine or or beer or whatever you're drinking. They don't know if that's your first or your sixth. And if that's an issue for them, like Crystal was saying with a stumbling block, he was like, you don't want to be anybody's stumbling block. So if they see that one and they just assume that it may be, oh, well, they're drinking and it, so if she's drinking, it's fine, you know? Um, so I'm going to have a drink. So there you are being a stumbling block for somebody. So that was something that really hit me hard. Um, was like, why would you want to, why would you want to be responsible for being a stumbling block for somebody else? So I definitely feel that we're all convicted in different ways. We all have those things that we just, like you said, your nose or nose. And, um, I definitely think it's a heart, heart thing too. And if you're not close with God in your relationship with him, you can totally miss it. Yeah. And that was in ministry, I've been in ministry for a while, leading small groups, leading youth groups. And, um, I think for me, it was like, could I do this with the people I'm trying to reach Jesus with? Like if I'm sitting next to them and they don't know Jesus, my mom, Mm -hmm. my brother, Mm -hmm. and I'm partaking in this one thing, um, can I do this with a good conscience and know that I'm representing Christ the way that I'm supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And it was easy to say, absolutely not Mm -hmm. just because of where I've come from. Yeah. But I did want to dig a little deeper because I was like, man, that doesn't apply to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could be very personal for me. And I think the thing too is we, we skip over this cause it's, it's hard to hear, but the Bible says abstain Mm -hmm. from evil, all appearances Mm -hmm. of evil. It says flee. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say walk slowly and pick it up if you want to and then go back to it you know it says flee like that means like you're getting everything that's important to you Mm -hmm. you are packing it up and you are running away from it and so the appearance of evil Mm -hmm. so it could be that I'm I'm drinking a glass of wine and one of my girls comes in that I'm trying to minister to and they're like man but she told me you know like Mm -hmm. but I thought and then like you said we're a stumbling block for them and Mm -hmm. I just really want to live my life fleeing Mm -hmm. from any appearance of evil I don't even want to be associated with it I when people talk bad about me behind my back Mm -hmm. I would hope that the people who hear go no that's impossible Mm -hmm. amen that's impossible Mm -hmm. like that they can attest so strongly to my character Mm -hmm. and the way I'm living and I think um I probably learned that a lot from my adopted dad who's just incredible and He's the same on the stage on Sunday Mm -hmm. as he is at a Thursday night at our table. Mm -hmm. And so when people say things or I hear things, I'm like, no, like it it doesn't even question, doesn't even bring any doubt into my mind. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, talking about the heart too, I wanted to ask you a question since we're kind of talking about the heart and convictions and all that kind of stuff. Um, how in your circumstances, in your own circumstances, did you not lose heart? And if you did lose heart, how did you take heart again? Kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, taking heart. Um, how did you take heart again? This is kind of a deep question, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, hey, let me throw you into the wall. Curve, I'm like, yeah. let me get some chocolate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Press call. You need yeah. more of those sandwiches. You want to kick that? No, but seriously, like, how did you begin to take heart again? And, like, how did you begin to feel like you were persevering or that you were coming? Because I think a lot of times... Um, as we've talked about this whole time that, you know, we aren't perfect and there's times that we do, you know, have to pick back up and, and start over and, and realize that, that we're not that in Christ, but we, we are fully made new in Christ and that, you know, we're still human and we still have mm-hmm. flesh. But, um, I think it gives some kind of also hope to hear from someone who has been through something that obviously, had set your your walk at a very early age to to where it was you know like so how did you how did you overcome that how did you take heart to that and not lose heart or maybe you did lose heart at some point and you were like I don't well obviously if you mm-hmm. you know I'm rambling now obviously <laughs> I'm getting it but you know what I'm saying like how did you take heart I'm mm-hmm. sitting here thinking about your story as I'm talking so yes. are you laughing at me <laughs> you know how you I ask the same thing twice <laughs> yeah I do that sometimes you know <laughs> How did, yeah. I, how did I take heart? So I think, um, I think it's probably been a, it's probably a couple of things. Um, so coming out of the situation I came out of with a ton of domestic violence, a ton of verbal abuse. I mean, my own mom was telling me growing up that I was a mistake, that I was the worst thing that ever happened to her. And so coming into this new walk with, um, Jesus, it was kind of for me, a choice I had to make between victim and victor. Mm, that's good. Man, and that's a minute-by-minute minute choice for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to be really honest. Like, it's easy to look at my Instagram. It's easy to look at my Bible mm-hmm. to hear me speak and to go, wow, she is a victor, right? Mm-hmm. But when my mom has called me on my 18th birthday at Liberty University and left me six drunk messages telling me how worthless I am, um, that will dig pretty deep into Mm -hmm. somebody and that will all that stuff that you guys see is easy for it to fade away Mm -hmm. and so I think a couple of things that I do just to take heart in those moments is I go back to this Mm -hmm. my bible Mm -hmm. um and I stay there and it is a safe place for me and it reminds me like in that instance I was just talking about um it just reminds me that God is here. Like mm-hmm. I was in college and that really happened to me. Um, on my birthday, my mom left me some horrible voicemails that mm-hmm. were like, I wish you didn't exist. And this day is a mistake and things nobody wants to hear on their birthday, especially from their mom. And I remember I left class early and I was devastated. Like I was sobbing across Liberty's campus thinking, mm-hmm. God, why would you let this happen to me? Like this God that I love if you loved me back, you would not let these things be said to me. Mm. And um, I got in my car, my little tiny Honda that like was falling apart. And <laughs> I was talking to him at my steering wheel, just like that. Like, mm. why would you let this happen to me? I don't know why you do this. If you were so good, why would you let this happen? And I looked down and <laughs> I swear, this is the weirdest thing. Nobody else was in my car. It was just my car. And there's a little tiny, like, I wish I'd brought it, like a little plaque. I'd never seen it before, and it had Joshua 1.9. Mm-hmm. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
And it is those moments Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh my gosh, I can take heart because I know who is holding me. Yeah, that's good. I know who is holding me. And at the end of the day, people will come and go. And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, their opinion will change a million times. And at the end of the day, I'm not good enough. Mm. And the king of the world still reaches down in all of that ugly and says, I'll take her and I'll hold her and I'll Mm. keep her safe. And so I think keeping that in the forefront of your mind and being open enough that God can say that to you and asking him hard questions because me asking him why he would let my mom do that was nothing more than me submitting to him Mm -hmm. because in that questioning, he gets to give me an answer. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a fist, like you make so many mistakes. I don't trust you. It was like a, could you answer a very broken girl on a college campus with 15,000 other people in a way that makes her see you a little bit clearly, Mm -hmm. a little bit more clear. And I just, I can't overstate that enough of having that truth in front of you. That became the first scripture that ever, ever impacted itself um, on my life. And ever since then, I realized the power of the word and that Mm. I have to have it in front of me at all times because I will forget it and I will live as a victim. Mm. And I will say, God, for 17 years, you forgot me. And God, for 17 years, I didn't have a dad. And God, for 17 years, my mom called me trash. And God, for 17 years, you never saw me. And he turns that through his word, through his power into, oh, Rachel, For 17 years, I was chasing you. Mm. And for 17 years, I saw every single tear that you cried in your Mm. bedroom. And for 17 years, I was just waiting for that moment when you would be ready to receive me. And so when we're living in this, he changes that victim mindset into the mindset of a victor. Mm -hmm. And he gives you that heart of a lion. Mm. And you can be strong and courageous. And the very definition of courage, which I told you I'm a geek about these words. It's on my ring right now, um, which also was my password. <laughs> not anymore, not anymore. Um, but the very like definition of it actually means emboldened from within. And so where does our courage come from? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Right. Like, we couldn't even be courageous if we wanted to. Like I was scared of that little spider on the door. <laughs> So I have no courage. I'm a chicken um, apart from what he has done and what I can claim in his word. Yeah, that's good. I know. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like taking all that in because honestly, like the whole time that we have been talking, that we've been talking about um, overcoming. And I think that that literally is a great way to even end this is because we are encouraged in his word and we are, you know, the way that we kind of overcome is by taking heart in who God is. And so I think that that is a beautiful way to say if you are in a place where you feel discouraged or you're in a place where you are not courageous or whatever, go to his word, take heart in his word, take heart in who he is, find that those areas in your life that kind of like you said, where you were, um, God, where have you been? Or, um, that you, that he was there, that he found you and, and open your eyes to those areas every day because he's surrounding us every day and comes into our lives every day in different ways and, and be open to receive that and gently receive that to your hearts. So tenderly that he wants to give it to you and, um, just know your worth and your value in Christ and know that he has made you an overcomer. He, you are a conqueror. Yeah. You are courageous. You are bold. You are valued. You are loved. Mm-hmm. You are adored. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Like Just know that in Christ, 
He has already overcome the world. So in Christ, you can step forth in confidence, knowing that you too can be that overcomer that he has put inside of you. Yeah, and he is doing all things well. Right. He doesn't have the capacity to make mistakes. Um, and he doesn't have the capacity to do bad things. Mm-hmm. And so at the very end of the day, when it's me and him talking about why he would let things happen, mm-hmm. he's saying, don't you trust me? Right. Because I'm doing all things well. That's mm-hmm. He only knows how to win. Yeah. Like that's the kind of God that we serve. He only knows how to conquer. That's he right. doesn't know how to lose. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm so blinded and so messed up, I just think, man, we serve the conquering God. Yeah. And he's, he's the one and only conquering God. And so yeah. through him... Through our weakness, right? He's made strong. Yep. Right. It's really good. Thank you for sharing your heart with us yeah. and just sharing your story because I know that it it's um, very strong and it's definitely capable of reaching so many people who have been through so many different things, you know? And yeah. I think that we've talked about this before. Even if we haven't been through the same exact mm-hmm. thing you have, we can take something away from it and apply Absolutely. it to what we've yeah. been through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I love this. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I love this whole night, so I'm just thankful to be here, really. (laughs) Yes, we are so grateful. I think any time that I get to sit down and just talk about Christ so freely, because I know that that isn't just welcomed anywhere and everywhere in the world. So to be able to have that freedom to be able to do that and to do it with other sisters that are in Christ, like what a wonderful way to just spend a night or to spend a day um, praising and worshiping God Mm -hmm. for just all that he has done and talking about his faithfulness. It's just so good to feel that. You feel like... Oh, yeah. Like a breath of fresh Refresh, air. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we are thankful that you listened in today. We hope that you got as much as we've got just talking here um, to each other. And we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.